Live from an attic somewhere in the north, this is The Late Show with Tom Starkey. Good evening. I've been coming off a uh, week-long illness. It might have been flu. Who knows? You can never get a recognition. So what we're going to be looking at today, I had some time to think about my career. And this is going to be an introspective, retrospective on four years of working as an assistive technology advisor and the things that annoy me. It's not going to be one of those, oh, we did really well. The stuff that really gets on my wick when it comes to disability and assistive technology. Here we go. From an attic somewhere in the north, this is The Late Show with Tom Starkey. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Hello. It's good to be back. I like having to do one week after the other one. I still have to check with uh, producer Tom whether I'm on on a Sunday evening. Most weeks, it must be the most annoying thing in the world. So apologies to uh, Tom Rogers, who does fantastic work on this channel. Every kind, every Sunday around about five o'clock, I message him and say, Tom, um, am I supposed to be on this evening? And he's like, yes. Yes, Tom, it's your turn this week. So thank you very much for Tom to let for letting me know that I'm actually doing the show today. I have been ill. I've been ill. I, uh, so there's going to be some coughing and possibly some um, uh, mucus-related noises on this show. You lucky people. Well done for joining in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I've been pretty ill the last week. Uh, happily, I've been able to work some from home. But, you know, I've been coughing, I've been spluttering, I've had to, I've had to take a nap after doing some work. It, it's, this is unheard of for me. Usually I'll kind of go straight through the day, get things done, all right, done, and then I stop. But um, I've been to the point where, I've, where I've, I've typed so hard, I've had to take a nap afterwards. So anybody who out there who is suffering from this flu or mysterious, these mysterious bugs that have been going around the last couple of weeks i um i you have all my sympathy because it's rough man really really rough but anyway i had some time to think you know i had some time to think whilst i was uh, uh whilst i was um you know sitting sweating and i thought to myself i've been in my job i've left teaching now for close enough to five years and that's incredible for me because it doesn't seem like yesterday since i was in the classroom or what resembled a classroom considering where the some of the places that i worked um, and I was thinking, well, let's do a retrospective of some of the issues that have come up in regards to my job, my current job, which is an assistive technology advisor in an HE institution, higher education. I work in a university. And there was two ways this could have gone. Uh, the first would be like, you know, I could just, I could give you a list of the, the wins, you know, the heartwarming moments, the thanks from students who have been, uh, you know, helped by my expert self. Very uplifting very very inspirational very get up on your desks you know um seize the day yolo whatever and uh, i thought yeah that would be really really nice that put people in a really good frame of mind uh and you know you could you could uh, enter the beginning of the work week with a smile thinking about all the good that's being done and then i thought nah 
I ain't got time for that. I'm going to write a list of stuff that really gets on my wick in regards to assistive technology and disability, uh, specifically in universities, but it probably is going to cover quite a fair few educational institutions. Uh, so strap in everybody. I'm grumpy. I am super grumpy. I don't know whether it's because I've been ill or, uh, or what, to be honest. Um, so this evening's uh, this evening's program is going to be some of the things that I found that I found in, incredibly problematic in regards to assistive technology and disability disabled students in an HE setting. This is not just uh, my own HE setting, which thankfully is a fairly progressive um, a progressive institution filled with staff members who are eminently expert in their particular field. And that for that, I, I really, you know, I am, I am forever grateful because I have had stories from members of staff who are akin to what I do. But my job role is weird. I've, I've only just realized this quite recently, that assistive technology advisor for a university, there's not many of us out there. You know, it's a bit of a lonely role, you know, but there are other people who are in equivalent roles, such as uh, learning technologists, support staff, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and other people around that general area, IT staff that work with programs with assistive technology and things like that. So there, there, there are a few of us about, but there doesn't seem to be anybody who's like parallel to 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 my particular role and what I do, which is which is wantonly straddle the wantonly straddle the areas of education, uh, disability, and technology. In all honesty, it's my it's it's my it's my dream job, and. Uh, this particular job that I have now has been responsible for uh, me becoming more healthy in mind and body because uh, luckily it makes me feel like I'm doing some good on a, you know, doing some good on an individual level. Usually, you know, I see around about five, 10, 15, 20, 20, 20, about 25 students a week. That's individual students, guys, secondary school guy. I'm really sorry. Secondary school members of staff, primary members of staff. I, I see 25 students in individual sessions, usually an hour to an hour and a half long per week. Yeah, I got I got to write them up. But my, my goodness me, when it comes to workload, oof, I am I am sitting pretty life of Riley around here. But not having much experience of working in higher education uh, previous to this particular role. And um, I, I'm hearing stories of things that aren't particularly great from universities up and down the country. And I thought to myself, well, we could all be sweetness and light in this show and I could give people a warm, fuzzy feeling. Or could I let, or maybe I could use the platform to let people know some of the things that are particularly great. And maybe somebody out there listening can think to themselves, well, actually, maybe we should change that in our particular institution. Good, you know. Oh, God forbid I have any sway anywhere. Um, but that's the aim today. So it's a rant, but hopefully it's a rant where people will go, "Oh my goodness me, that's the same thing that's happening in our place and our place and our place." So um, I'm not going to credit the people who I've been talking to and the information that I've got from those people. They want to remain anonymous, which is perfectly understandable because if you're criticising some of the aspects of uh, the place that you work, that can be really, really difficult. So, but you know who you are, guys. So thank you very much for pitching in. Uh, thank you very much for confirming some of the stuff that I was thinking. Um, technology and disability, it's a strange area. The technology is uh, ideally there to help students with disabilities achieve their academic potential. That's why I'm in the game. That's why I do it. This is, I'm not there for the technology itself per se, although I do like the shiny things. When people show me something with buttons, I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> look, buttons. That's amazing. Uh, but in general, it's about the students and how I can do something that can help the students or how I can try to persuade people not to do something that will help the students. Um, so I thought to myself, well, okay, so what are some of the things that annoy me in the general in this general area? And we're talking, I thought I'd go wide. You know, why not? You know, let's let's be a let's let's go wide about this thing. Let's let's look at a wider picture nowadays. So I thought I'd go wide. And so some of this stuff is the stuff that annoys me personally. Some of these things that I think are problematic throughout the HE institutions in this country. Um, am I drawing a target on my head talking about some of this stuff? I hope not. I hope not. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to shock jock it, guys. I'm just trying to hopefully give voice to some of the issues that face an already marginalized, uh, yeah, an, or, an already marginalized section of the university's population anyway. Um, in an ideal world, it will be somebody with a disability, a recognized disability, sat here talking to you. Um, if you're out there and you are a disabled student or if you're a disabled teacher, um, talk to tom talk to tom rogers come and join the team representation is important people's voices are important and rather than have me yammering on about a particular subject from a certain position of removal you know i work uh, i work um, in disability services i've worked in education for far too long that is healthy um you know i've uh, i've worked in technology for far too long but it would be great if we hear the primary voices involved in this. So we're talking about disabled students. We're talking about disabled teachers, disabled educators. Talk to Tom Rogers, uh, contact TT Radio and say, listen, it would be great if I had a slot. You know, I mean, I'd, if I am, um, don't get me down. I like, I, I like, I like, I like working and I like my job, but sometimes I think, uh, you, first-hand experience of this kind of thing is really really important it's important to for people to have a voice especially um people who necessarily uh, are at the forefront when it does come to having a voice and i think uh, disabled students unfortunately still remain uh one of those groups that don't or don't have as loud a voice as i think that they should be given the amount of effort they have expended to reach the higher echelons of education in this country and that's that, that's just me that's just me but anyway um so uh yeah so uh a plug for the a plug for the uh station itself um it's a wide church there's lots of different people lots of different viewpoints lots of different backgrounds so please if you think that you can uh add to the conversation you can add to that um the widening of voices um please do uh get in touch you can get in touch on uh twitter at tt radio you can also listen in on the Podbean Live um, uh, program. If you're listening live already, well done. Well done. Top of the class. Fantastic. You are amazing. Uh, and uh, if you're listening after downloading this particular podcast, thank you very much. Uh, conversations on joining the conversation in um, tonight during the show. There will be no call in tonight, I'm afraid. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I'm still a tad on the rough side, and uh, sometimes when people call in, I want to I want to give people I want to do I want to give them the best shot of being able to um, of being able to put their message across. And if I'm kind of like if I'm <laughs> trying to answer questions, like, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, <laughs> that's not going to help anybody. So um, 
I promise. This is a this is a solemn promise. Don't hold me to this, Tom. Don't. But still, this is a solemn promise that we'll have phone in uh, the next time on the show, which will be in around about two, uh, three weeks, three weeks, I think, from this point in time. So yeah, um, uh, disability and uh, assistive technology. That's that's kind of what I do. What I do is I try and find technology that's going to help disabled students to achieve their academic potential train people up with them uh, also uh, it's not just students who i speak to it's staff members frontline staff support staff management trying to persuade people to do certain things or buy into certain ideas or but some buy and sometimes buy into certain products uh, that will help students who have disabilities uh, at university and the, that's a great job you know when you think about when i when i sit and think about what i do really i'm lucky i'm lucky to be part I'm lucky to be part of that. Um, I'm not too sure if anybody else is lucky that I'm part of that. You know, uh, like a hindrance, maybe. I don't. I, I don't really know. Um, but anyway, so what I thought I'd do is I thought about. I, I'll. I made a list. I've got a post-it note stuck onto my other screen, um, and I made a list of some of the things that I found that I think are annoying when it comes to disability and assistive technology. There's a, fair, there's a fair few things on the list. I didn't start. I didn't start uh, thinking about it would be so comprehensive. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We've got about, about, about fourteen things on the list. Let's see if we can get more than done in one show. I'm not doubling up the show just so I can rant for longer, as much as I would like that. But I think the producer would probably have something to say. Anyway, right. Let's dive into it. I haven't done it. I haven't. I haven't set up a particular jingle for this particular show. Uh, it's not. It's not tech tips. It's uh, Tom's annoyances. Tom's annoyance is number one. All right, this is the first one. Now, assistive technology in its in in its its form currently is miles away of where it has been uh, even ten years ago. In universities, what you would usually find is you usually find a model of assistive technology. If there was any buying at all of assistive technology, you would have a screen reader. You would have some form of readability app that would help students with dyslexia and other issues surrounding reading. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you would have possibly, if you were lucky, a uh, speech to text program. Um, and I kind of, I kind of figured out what happened is that, like, oh, twenty years ago or so, a university did a test on some of this stuff and said, right, we'll do this one, this one, and this one. And then every single university in the country looked over their shoulder and said, they're doing this, we'll do the same. The, uh, the package of assistive technology has, uh, for the longest time, was fairly limited, but it was limited because the assistive technology was limited. You know, the amount that was out there, the choice that people had, the consumer had, was, was not very good. However, uh, along comes the mobile phone, along comes the internet, along comes a whole bunch of things that mean that the amount of products in regards to assistive technology go off like a rocket. And now, when it comes to assistive technology, there's no such thing as kind of a set plate, as it were, of assistive technology. It's a buffet, you know? You pick and choose. There's a whole range of things, whether it be mobile-based or whether it be PC-based. There's hundreds of options out there. And that's just covering the things that are specifically created as assistive technology. And that's not, that's not covering the things that are just simply useful for students with particular disabilities. So the first thing that annoys me is that there is a lack of understanding, um, uh, and this has been confirmed a couple of times across the board, these are general, these generalities. Generalities? Yeah, we'll go with that. 
these are general this is this is this may not necessarily be 100% accurate but this is what i've got from feedback from many different members who are in the same sort of area as i am in he institutions there's a lack of understanding of the amount and the variety of assistive technology and technology in general that helps disabled students currently and that can be very scary for institutions so it's often the case that a student uses a particular assistive technology and that assistive technology is new to the institution they may not uh, staff may have not seen it before they may think oh what, what's this why are they using this particular thing excuse me one moment <coughs> why are they using this particular piece of technology what is it why isn't it this thing that we have license for and so on and so forth um and then instead of uh, doing the very sensible route one thing um, and asking the student, they come to people like me and have questions such as, uh, this, is a, this is one of the big ones that I've had and this would be kind of re re replicated uh, from a bunch of other people across the country. And they ask, how do we find out what tech disabled students are using? And they ask me. Now, last time I checked, I'm not a disabled student. Um, I'm like, I'm stunningly, boringly neurotypical. Uh, I'm able-bodied to a certain, if you like, I don't really like the term, but that's, you know, that's uh, one of the terms that people use. I'm not disabled. And so what annoys me is why on earth are you asking me? Yes, I'm the assistive technology advisor, so I know about the technology, but the primary source, when you find out about what kind of technology your student is using, ask the student. Guys, ask the students, they're there in front of you. Disabled students aren't hidden away. They're in every lecture theater. They're in every seminar. And if you see, uh, and it's like, well, how, how do we get an overview of, how do we get an overview of what, the, what technology these students are using? Ask them, they're there, second row down. There, just ask them. Or in more general terms, talk to your disabled students, talk to any that disabled students may be involved in identify uh, whether students have identified themselves as disabled and go and ask them this kind of strange thing where there is a hesitancy to engage the students disabled students themselves in their own ways of working is something that has baffled me ever since i started this job something that has baffled me and i don't understand why you know that 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 why am I getting asked that question? It might be because people want a wide range in answer. And I do speak to many, many, many students with disabilities. In fact, 99% uh, uh, of my student communications are with students with disabilities. Um, but I'm, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to get it from the source, you know, get it from the source. It's no, it's no good, you know, asking the messenger, ask the students themselves. That's my first thing. That's one of the things that I found really, really annoying that there seems to be in higher education, a lack of engagement with disabled students, the students who are actually using the technology that people that the institution wants to learn about. Excuse me for one moment. <coughs> oh, that was a nice one. So how do we find out about what tech disabled students use? Ask the students. I mean, goodness me, why? I don't know why this is even a thing, to be honest. If you want to ask a wide range of students, identify a wide range of students and ask them, you know, 
I think one of the things is that the with the abundance of assistive technology and the abundance of tools that can be used as assistive technology now, there's a certain it's kind of overawing. You know, it's kind of, and if, and if you're used to saying, well, we'll fulfill this criteria by having this one thing, this, these two things, or these three things, when a student comes at you and says, well, I use this and this and this and this, I've never even heard of that, but I use that and that, with that, whoa, 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 easy now, easy now, what about the one, two, three things? So I don't know what one, two, three things are for. Ah, yes, but they're the one, two, no, no. And I think that, that kind of conversation can be quite difficult especially if there's sunk cost when an institution have bought in a particular uh, a particular product but that's 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 a bit further on the list and we'll get to that so a lack of understanding of the new world of AT and and the technology and disability and how those two combined and not talking to the people who are directly affected not talking to the people who directly use this stuff the people who use this stuff as an essential the disabled students who use these tools as an essential to do what they have to do on a daily basis that's ridiculous but it's but it happens so if you're in an if you're in a higher education institution and you have any sway stop doing that ask students ask disabled students what tech they use don't ask me don't ask me or people like me ask the students themselves identify who they are and ask them and then go from there that's 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 one of my uh, one of the first thing that annoys me uh, it's going to be a long list, ladies and gentlemen. So you know, might want to might want to go grab a coffee, uh, get get your get your vape filled up because we're going to be here for a while. Now, here's another one: uh, students are accepted onto courses. Uh, you know, in universities, it, the schools are. That I could not believe how many different schools for many different subjects there are. I went to university myself, but in all honesty, I don't really pay much attention to what was going on. Um, I was I was I spent most of my time working in the university bar and doing the things that are traditionally uh, thought of that students do that are away from academia. That was me. That was me. I wasn't massively academic. I was more more of a student of life, as it were. Yes. But what always bugs me is the fact that students are, uh, students are accepted onto courses. Disabled students are accepted onto courses that require software that's not accessible uh, for the student's assistive technology. And then they acquire, you know, they require that this has to be used, um, but a student can't use a particular technology because they use assistive technology with it that's not compatible. Um, and I'm like, is that a communication issue? Is that a lack of knowledge issue? I don't, um, um, there's been a couple of cases, um, uh, not necessarily from my own institution, but um, uh, reports from other places where students have been accepted onto courses and then being expected to use a particular it's often the case it's mathematical software guys it's, it's true it's often cases it's mathematical software because uh, mathematical software traditionally is a struggle for screen readers to use mathematical software i won't mention software's names but um it's a pain it's a pain and some of it's entirely incompatible and you have to use like really serious workarounds to get this stuff to work with screen readers um Things that are used by primarily visual students with visual impairment and blindness to access what information is on the screen. And there are certain programs that are well used um, in School of Mathematics or Sciences um, that are related to formula that are absolutely just incompatible with screen readers, certain screen readers. Um, and then uh, when a student with uh, with a disability, with a visual impairment, with blindness is accepted onto the course, and they come across this barrier, 
of having this piece of equipment, this this program that they can't use, or a program that they have they can, they can use, but the amount of effort it, and knowledge, technical knowledge it would take to use it, is like incredible. And then they're expected to sort it out themselves. I'm like, if hang on, you you invite you invited them onto the course. <laughs> they, they didn't just rock up and like force themselves into your lecture theatre. You've invited this student with disabilities onto your course, knowing that they use certain assistive technology, knowing that you have computer programs that you will need to use on your course. Did you not think just to test this stuff out? before you said, yeah, come on. And I'm not saying that they should, if, if they can't get it to work, that you don't let the student on, because that's just, that would just be morally and, you know, um, legally reprehensible. But did you not think that perhaps you should do some testing? You know, did you not think that you think, look at your offer when it comes to some of the digital tools that you have to use and look at the aspects of uh, assistive technology that students may have to use and make sure that they work and if they don't work make sure you have an alternative you know and it it knocks me off because what i do is i deal with students who come up against a brick wall in some of the in some of the kind of most stressful situations such as examinations you know in examinations they're suddenly faced with this new new app that they have to use and they can't use it because they use a screen reader and it's not compatible I always say to people when I talk about assistive technology and I talk about the struggles that you uh, that institutions have in regards to making things accessible, in regards to giving students a decent offer in regards to, uh, when it comes to assistive technology, is that it is better to signpost something than it is to let a student crash into a wall. What that means basically is that we're talking about transparency. If, a, if an institution is struggling to come up to spec in a particular issue when it comes to accessibility or it comes to compatibility of assistive technology or it comes to providing disabled students with the best possible education that they that they can provide and what the students have signed up for from that institution then instead of kind of instead of disregarding that idea if you find out something that's not going to work you let people know and you let people know early some universities are fantastic for this transparency is so important letting people know that you're working on trying to fix something rather than just letting them crash into it is is is, is incredibly important so lots of websites lots of university websites have list the technology that all their schools use and then they say okay this is compatible with or this is uh, this adheres to certain uh, you know, certain accessibility uh, rules such as uh, WCAG and, and so on and so forth. But you let people know, you know, you let people know before. But to let people know, you have to have had a little bit of thought about it. And sometimes that thought isn't there. And that's another thing that annoys me. I'm having a look at the next one. I was wondering, can I get, can I get this in before I put the news on? Um yeah this is something i've mentioned before this is one of the big ones coming from a educational um uh, the educational sphere then moving into the consultancy sphere working with uh ed tech businesses this is something that still galls me to this day and i've mentioned it in previous shows um many companies are uh, many companies struggle when it comes to uh, living up to accessibility regulations and making sure that they're product is 
um, accessible to the extent that it should be, especially for a public facing institution like a university, where our accessibility standards are much higher than a private company's standards. So, um, uh, if you're, in, and I've said this before, and I think I said it last, I can't remember, but this, is, this has come up um, a number of times. This has actually come up in my own experience. This is something that I have experienced myself in my job. Um, don't take a company who is trying to sell you a product's word regarding their accessibility features and the level of accessibility of their particular product. You, I mean, in England, it's slightly different because the regulations are stricter. In the US, it's, it's voluntary. They volunteer their own kind of accessibility, their own accessibility report. And it, it unless you unless you independently verify whether this program does the things that it says. And in fact, independently verify whether it's usable rather than compliant. That's really, really important as well. Um, every university should be checking any buy-in for accessibility and for compatibility with assistive technology in-house. They should be doing it themselves because before you walk away from a transaction, here's a box of things they do this. Uh, oh, thank you very much. I won't ever check the box. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, in the box, there is a, uh, a magic bean. Um, oh, thank you very much for the magic bean in the box. We'll never, we won't check that it's magic. You know, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take your word for it, Squire. You look very trustworthy there with your um, uh, crooked hat and crow on your shoulder yeah oh yeah yeah definitely definitely um it's a really i don't understand why i i sometimes think maybe i'm over cynical maybe maybe i maybe i i should take everybody's word for everything um but and then i think actually this is money uh for students with disabilities and if a company isn't doing what they're saying they're doing is that you are already you're taking cash away from an already marginalized group and that's that's bang out of order. Do your due diligence, higher education institutions. Make sure that the companies that you're buying stuff off actually are doing the things that they say that they're doing, and the the product. You can you you can be compliant with a whole bunch of stuff. That doesn't make a particular product useful, especially in regards to compatibility with assistive technologies. You know the old classic when it comes to the statements that students make are like a. A statement sorry that the companies make us like oh yeah this is compatible with screen readers and they've tested it with one screen reader that existed in like 1989 <laughs> god it makes me so angry sometimes i've i i when it comes to educational technology i've never understood people trying to pull a fast one because it's education you're talking about kids but people pull trying to pull a fast one in regards to disabled students Ah, I just, uh, you, you just, there, there is a level of hell reserved for you. And that level of hell is full of Excel spreadsheets, I tell you. But anyway, um, so let's go uh, for the news. And uh, when I get back, I'm just going to carry on ranting. I'm making no promises. This is the thing. I quite enjoy having a little bit of time after what has been a pretty horrible week for me health-wise. Just having a bit of a sit and a bit of a grump. I love it. Might do it again sometime. Anyway. 
This show is brought to you in partnership with Jomcat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! This show is brought to you in partnership with Johncat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Christian Institute website carries a story on the reminder by Minister of State for Schools, Nick Gibb, that schools in England have a duty to remain politically impartial in their teaching and extracurricular activities. The guidance was published last year. But Mr Gibb was responding to MP Miriam Cates references to a YouGov poll, which appears to reveal that the majority of UK children are being taught political ideology as fact. And he issued the reminder. Ms Cates was referencing a view that children are being taught that they can be born in the wrong body, as well as resources being used in schools which focus on the topic of gender identity. The DfE guidance comes as Scotland attempts to introduce new legislation on gender recognition, which is opposed by Westminster. The guidance states that schools should not under any circumstances work with or use materials produced by external agencies that take extreme political positions. The Varsity website reports on findings by a right-wing think tank that elite universities were more likely to use progressive terminology on their websites. Cambridge tops the table in the Radical Progressive University Guide, although the think tank Civitas does not appear to see this as a positive. Varsity highlights comments reported in the Daily Mail, which warned that half of our universities peddle their woke agenda to students. The think tank generated the findings after exploring university websites and news reports, looking for a series of key phrases including trigger warning, white privilege and anti-racism. Those with high incidences of key phrases were at the top of the table. Varsity acknowledges a view that Cambridge's political culture is to the left of the national one, but also highlights key figures in academia who feature prominently in the Conservative press. It's hard to stay away from politics as announcements of strikes continued late last week. The TES reports on the continued deadlock in Scotland whilst the Evening Standard covers talks between ministers and unions in England after the NEU confirmed strike dates for the coming weeks and months. These strikes are set to impact schools in England and Wales, although the BBC further reports on talks in Wales. Its news website reports that teachers and school leaders have been offered a one-off payment by the Welsh Government, similar to that offered to health workers, although unions have already said that the offer is not enough. Scottish media outlets have also carried a story about what it describes as fears about violence in schools. A clip now widely shared on social media shows an altercation between two students and that took place on the same day a male pupil was left unconscious following an assault. 
Whilst Police Scotland have said it's investigating both incidents, it has sparked debate on the state of behaviour in schools, particularly as such incidents have featured in headlines before. The Scottish Government has previously stated they're investing an additional £15 million this year to enhance capacity to effectively meet the needs of young people and that they were very clear that violence is unacceptable. In further political news, the petition put forward by three men known as the Three Dads Walking will go to Parliament. The men who all lost daughters to suicide want to get suicide prevention on the school curriculum. The petition they set up now has more than 155,000 signatures, which means that it will be discussed in Parliament after previously failing to be heard. Finally, more than 20,000 defibrillators will be sent to almost 18,000 state-funded schools by the end of the academic year. It comes after the government committed to ensuring there was a device in every school last year. The rollout comes after campaigning from the Oliver King Foundation and its founder, Mark King, whose son died at 12 from a cardiac arrest while swimming at school. Guidance to support schools has been created, including awareness videos. And Education Secretary Gillian Keegan praised the work of the Oliver King Foundation and described the rollout as a huge milestone. Mr King stated, defibrillators save lives and that he hoped that families do not have to suffer the heartbreak of unnecessarily losing a child. This is for our Ollie. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, a while ago I asked you what is your go-to piece of tech? This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Ian Kenyon, CEO of Wirral Respite and Alternative Provision, also known as RAP for short. So, Ian, what is your go-to piece of tech in your setting? Thanks, Steve. In our organisation, we are absolutely embedded in sharing our information and our data via the cloud. And there's loads of software out there to do it. And there's a lot of bespoke software for our type of organisation, student information management services, uh, the likes of Sims or Arbor or, or, or things like that. But unfortunately, they're all built around big organisations, big schools, uh, schools with up to 1,200 students. Certainly not for schools that have a turnaround of students uh, who are completing courses in 12 weeks and those students who are potentially returning but require new files. We've tried proprietary software. It's very, very expensive. But actually, what we've fallen back to is what Google provides. Uh, using G Suite, which is now Google Workplace, we have access to spreadsheets, to um, form filling uh, software for for data collection, uh, Google Docs, which is, you're very familiar with everything via traditional Microsoft offices. Being able to link Docs uh, and Sheets and Forms together has been almost transformational for our organization. It's not the cheapest. Uh, I will say the per user price matches uh, what other software like Zoho or, or Microsoft will do, um, but offers a simpler version for us um, and offers us some interactivity that we've never had before. It handles our email, it handles our, our, our student information, so gathering attendance, it handles our finance, uh, so invoicing. Um, the, the, the way that the suite works, the way that the package works, just works really well for us. But with very little additional investment in time, effort and training, um, Google offers us everything that we need. 
the final sort of element that, that has been transformational for us is then being able to use proprietary hardware such as Chromebooks or even Android phones and the ability for us to then transfer our data and, and to, to be live in the cloud at all times has been uh, a really good thing for our organization. So there you have it, my number one go-to. It's definitely got to be Google Workplace. Thank you, Ian. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Do you have a go-to piece of tech? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. That was interesting. Is Cambridge supposed to be left wing? I never really, I never knew that. I thought, I thought, I thought, kind of like the really big ones were kind of fairly, fairly traditionally conservative. That's all right. You learn something new every day, don't you? And of course, Steve Woods there with authentic information about systems actually used by educators and having those educators on the show talking about it in a minimum amount of time. Brilliant stuff, Steve. Thank you very much. And that was that was so informative. Love that stuff. I sound <laughs> I I've been told I sound sarcastic when I give compliments. Um, I don't think I don't I think that's probably true to be honest. But in all honesty, I was I was yeah I was enthralled. I was enthralled there. That was great. Thank you very much, guys, for the news. Uh, thank you very much to our sponsors as well, and thank you very much to Steve for some an interesting uh, insight into some of the systems um, that uh, traditionally aren't thought of as uh, educational admin systems that can be utilized. I do like I do like the fact that you can use Android phones. I do like the fact that you can use Chromebooks. These are, these these are, this is cheap stuff. You know, it's cheap stuff that can be utilized um, in widespread. And it was interesting that it was talking about a smaller institution, a smaller place, and what you have to do as a smaller place if you don't have a massive budget behind you. Um, yeah, so uh, back to uh, Tom's top annoyances when it comes to assistive technology disability in an HE setting. Yeah, I love it. I love being this, but it's my positive self this evening. Um, I, just, as a, just as an oversight, I, um, I was talking to a company about their accessibility um, a few months back, and I was talking about the thing that I just mentioned before the news. I, uh, oh, all apologies for the kind of the double dose of the news there. Um, not sure what happened, but hopefully, you know, editing's a really fantastic thing. Um, but uh, I pointed out that um, a certain aspect of their program that they were trying to uh, get us to purchase was inaccessible and he at me <laughs> i can't put i can't put it any other way yeah he, he had a right go at me he said well we haven't got time to do that and i was like well actually well then um perhaps uh, you should uh, uh, make the time perhaps uh, i've talked about it before i'm not trying to be a spanner in the works when it comes to smaller businesses trying to sell a decent product but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to just sit there and say, oh, yeah, 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 we'll take that. We'll work that. We'll work. We'll work on that critical, uh, that critical problem that you have. It's not for the, the institution that's doing the buy-in to work around the problem of the product. If you want to sell something, make sure it works. Yeah. Yeah. The guy was like, whoa, yeah, oh, daggers, absolute daggers. I was only doing my job. I, I, I was glad it was a remote, like a remote meeting. I thought he might, I thought he was going to offer me out into the car park. And, and to be honest, in all you know, in all honesty, I probably would have taken him up on the offer. I'm a bit of a unit. I can handle myself. No, not really. Not. <laughs> but it is surprising the um, the kickback sometimes that you find when you mention uh, an issue with accessibility. 
you know, it, it, it's, um, it's, it, it's funny because in my position, I'm trying to help. Uh, I'm trying to help. Uh, I'm trying to help students primarily. And you don't necessarily think that your comments or your, oh, I'm going to be honest, it was a criticism. Um, th th that's going to be taken as a slight, as it were. Um, uh, but in that in that particular case, uh, it was, yeah, it, it really was. It was it was going to be oh, pistols at dawn. Um, and <laughs> I just I was just I was really surprised. You know, I, I work in the Russell Group University. Uh, everything is very civilized most of the time. And this guy was just like gunning for me because I mentioned that that uh, something that wasn't going to work and would not be appropriate for the students who I work with. And ah, oh, damn! I had to look over my shoulder when I was leaving the I was leaving the building. <laughs> anyway, um, that is, so um, this is this part is going to be a bit of a deep dive because this is a very specific area, um, and not many people, unless you unless you are kind of uh, directly involved know about some of these things so uh, students who are disabled who have a recognized disability in uh, when it comes to higher education can apply for something called the disabled student allowance it's more commonly uh, known by uh, dsa now the dsa means that you can gain a certain um, a grant uh, basically a grant to help you with uh, the essentials of university that could be in many cases it could be to pay for um, personal assistance it could be to to um, ensure that you have transport to and from your university it, it, it covers a wide range of things it covers a wide range of things um, but one of the things that it does cover is technology uh, you have you are given an option to buy a laptop you're given money towards that laptop but the thing that i want to focus on is that you are also um, um you're given uh, a recommended list dependent on what difficulty that you might have you're given a recommended list of technology that onto that it can be downloaded onto that laptop and used but it's back to that thing about what assistive technology looks like now in the modern age um currently and the the list of recommended technology is around about it's about a hundred odd programs and in all honesty sometimes there's not a good fit uh, so assessors have this list of recommended programs and they pick the things that they think is going to be most useful for the students uh, i don't like the model i don't like the model i don't like the fact that there is there are constrictions as to the apps and programs that students that students are able to access through the DSA. I think I think it's an outdated. I think it's an outmoded model. Um, I think it was based on what the situation was around about a decade ago. And I don't like the fact that there is a that you have a very very truncated list of technology. I'm not directly funded by the DSA, so I get to recommend anything from anywhere. After, of course, I've had a look at it and try to make sure to the best of my ability that it will work and it will be useful for students who I recommend it to. Um, but I don't have to choose anything that I don't think is necessarily a good fit. But I think that's how what's happened sometimes when it comes to the DSA. Um, it's a limited pool of technology, recommended technology uh, in England. Uh, and I don't know why it exists in the form that it does anymore. For me personally, 
I believe that what should happen is that a student should be given a budget to be able to source any programs that they may find useful. Now that of course relies on the student having knowledge of what they think would be the best for them. And that knowledge isn't always there, but it can be gained by a really simple testing process. Word of mouth when it comes to uh, what's useful technology for disabled students um, is like wildfire. Uh, many of the disabled students who I work with know more about their specific technologies than I would ever do or would ever need to because I'm not an essential user. So when I see a student who wants to uh, use technology to dictate uh, essays, writings, notes, and so on and so forth, and they're recommended um, an extremely powerful uh, speech recognition system that takes hours of training, that does lots of different things really, really well, but is very much like a hammer to crack a nut. I think, well, why is this being recommended when a student can use a, a different uh, different resource that would cost um, much um, uh, and you'd like to come on the show and just give me uh, give me the insight, give me the lowdown because I see it from a certain perspective, and and it's perspective of a kind of uh, being able to kind of just throw popples up. Um, there, there, there will be reasons why that there, there are certain technologies on the list, but I don't, I can't get a handle on it. I don't understand why you can't just give a student a budget and let them source their own technology that they think is appropriate after, after a, uh, you know, after testing some of this stuff out. Um, but anyway, that it's an annoyance. I may have got the wrong end of the stick. You may be out there listening to this thinking, so what are you talking about? If we did, this would happen, and this would happen, and this would happen. Um, absolutely fine. But just from my perspective, and from many of my students' perspectives, it's very much kind of, why are you restricting, uh, why are you offering a student a loan and then restricting what they can do with that loan? It just doesn't see, it doesn't sit right with me, and I have not yet, at this point, that but if you are offering a loan for the buying of technology, so the technology that may help, then surely the person who's expert on what would help is the student himself. Once again, it's voice to, giving voice to the people that you are trying to help, giving, uh, ensuring that a student has ownership of their own support, um, ensuring that they don't have a limited amount of technology to choose from. This is one of the things that may be slightly controversial on this show, especially in the kind of area that I work in. And I was, I was umming and ahhing on whether to include it because uh, I, I don't want to do anybody's role down. The assessors do a fantastic role in trying to find the best fit of technology for the people that they are assessing. But it just seems really strange to me that there is a truncated list of things that you can recommend that may not be as useful as something that is easily available and might be a damn sight cheaper and can sometimes be better. Um, uh, I assume it's to do, basically, if I had to get, <coughs> excuse me, if I had to go through the DSA process, 
and somebody said, I will give you this. And I'm like, I don't want that. I want this. And then they said, no. I'd be like, what? What are you on about? Just, just, all right, then just give me the cash and I'll go get it myself. And they say, no. I'd be like, well, well, I'm not too sure about this process, really. This process doesn't seem, this process doesn't really seem tickety-boo. But anyway, that's something that I've come across, something that I've realized it's not an area that I had any knowledge of before I started this particular role. And it's just something that doesn't really sit right with me. And I'm not too sure why it is in this particular form that it's in. There's probably a reason. And as I say, if you want to get in touch, you won't be able to get in touch and talk to me tonight because um, I don't want to cough in your face. Uh, Person-centered option would be to give somebody the money and then they could source the technology that they need themselves because they are uh, excellent. Oh, hang on. We've got Wi-Fi dropping in and out. Let's have a look. Uh, I'm not too sure why that is the case, Tom. All apologies. So if you didn't get that, I'm just uh, the the lack of choice when it comes to the DSA is something that annoys me about assistive technology and disability. Uh, there's probably reasons behind it. I can't figure out what those reasons are. Um, and I just, you know, give, 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 give folk the money. Give folk the money. Let them source their own uh, technology for the experts in their needs. Uh, it might be a case that people don't know what they're out there, but if you're at university and you're studying at a university level, excuse me, one moment. <coughs> if you're studying at a university level, you're pretty much expert um, in your own study because you're there. But anyway, um, so that was my next one. Uh, so that was the big one, I think, to be honest. That's kind of like the pretty serious one that's about systemic, a systemic issue within um, disability and assistive technology. So let's move on. When we're talking about the modern, I talked about it at the top of the show, the kind of modern, the modern world of assistive technology, the uh, institutions haven't really moved on, or a lot of institutions, let's not make crash generalizations about a complete sector, Tom. That never, that never goes well. Um, but institutions are still in this mindset that there is only one version of something. So there's only one screen reader. There's only one text-to-speech app. There's only one uh, mind map. Or at least that there's only one license, or they only have a license for one of these things. And I know a lot of this is dependent on price, and a lot of this is dependent on what kind of budget you have at your institution. But it's all right to say, okay, we have this. Um, you can use this. It's just when a student uses something else and that's seen as a problem. Um, I haven't seen a student uh, who you has to use a screen reader as their primary means of having digital information relayed to them. Um, I've not seen student. Uh, I've not seen two students use the same thing one after the other. It's always been a student who uses their Apple iPhone as their primary screen reader, or a student who uses Jaws. Um, and then a student who uses um, the native screen readers on their PC, and then a student who uses a screen reader that's uh, embedded into the extension in uh, Google, um, their Google search engine. There's so many options out there. There's so many options out there. And I think sometimes, as I said at the beginning, I think sometimes that means that people are a little bit kind of worried and a bit like, oh, what's that you're doing? Why aren't you using this thing? Well, the reason that some students don't use particular uh, the reason that some students don't use particular screen readers over the other is absolutely none of your business. <laughs> that's, that's, it doesn't matter what the reason is, they just do it. So I've had students who use uh, Apple phones as their primary screen readers 
I've had students who use things like um, it doesn't it doesn't matter what they use they use it that's how they access their learning but in some cases in some institutions that seem as that's seen as an inconvenience oh you know oh well we've got everything set up for I don't know NVDA where you use your laptop uh, it's a it's a free to download screen reader so why aren't you using that one it's like I don't have a laptop I use my mobile phone you know uh, or in all honesty, and also these things, uh, the use of these particular technologies, it's often the case it's about kind of the age of the user as well. Old-fashioned, as it were, or seen to be old-fashioned in these points in time. And then when somebody new comes along who's using something different, they're kind of seen as, oh, gosh, oh, what's that? Why are you using that? Because they are. That's the only, that's the only that is literally the only reason that you need when you see somebody using a screen reader that's not recognized by your institution, they're using it because they're using it. And it's none of your business. And if it's helping them access their learning, that's fantastic. And what you shouldn't be doing is asking, or in some cases, telling students to learn a completely new piece of assistive technology just so that they can access your materials. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. Um, and then I go into like door kicking mode. But anyway, um, hopefully, uh, I'm uh, apparently from producer Tom, uh, we're having a couple of Wi-Fi issues. So hopefully that has kind of sorted itself out. I've not done anything to change it, by the way. Um, I've not like kicked my router or anything like that, although I do feel like doing that a fair bit. Um, but it seems to sort it out. Hopefully it's a little bit more solid now as we move on to this is not a university issue. This is just a wide ranging issue that does my nut. There is some fantastic technology out there, fantastic assistive technology, fantastic technology that helps disabled students, things like organizational apps, things like um, speech to text apps, things like uh, Office Lens, uh, Speechify, uh, Otter. I've mentioned all these things in previous shows, so I'm not going to go into any details. But um, apart from Office Lens, a lot of these apps, a lot of this technology are built around the subscription model. And it's a model that is uh, that has become, in fact, it's probably the most prevalent model now when it comes to payment, the subscription model. You pay $9 a month to access our tool. You pay $11 a month to access that tool. Oh, buy it now and you get your first two months free, month by month payment. Whatever happened to one-off payment? Uh, I don't. I'm not a businessman, so I understand that you need you need an income revenue stream over a long period of time to ensure that your your business is healthy and that. But damn, you know how difficult that makes buying of equipment when it comes to oh you, oh you know I want to buy. Let me give you uh, let me not a real example because I don't want to use any actual product names. But when it comes to things like you have this screen reader, it's mobile phone based. You can sync it to anything that you need to, and you th I think great. This is going to be fantastic for my students. I want to buy it. I'll get the mobile phones as well, uh, you know, and I'll uh, we can we can do it that way. But then it's a subscription model, and so I can only ever buy in something uh, uh, one subscription, one license for one student unless I go a little bit higher up 
and think and and then try to negotiate a bunch of uh, subscriptions for a, a certain amount of people and then blah, blah, blah. and to be honest sometimes that's out of my pay grade i can't do that the sub the subscription model is a pain in the behind when it comes to the buying of technology for institutions it really it is it's a pain in the behind um it means that what i would love to do is i would love to uh have a bank of licenses for certain technologies that i could just give to students uh, in a loan on a loan to loan basis but the subscription model makes that a pain in the bum because you know you're tethered from one person with one email to one thing and it's uh but that is that this is a wider this is a wider societal thing anyway um when it comes to technology it's not just assistive technology it's technology in general the subscription model you're paying forever they want you to pay forever. And then when we shuffle off this mortal coil, there is the afterlife contract where you can pay nine pounds a month to uh, use the app in the afterlife. I just, I just, a one-off payment model is probably very old fashioned, but I wish it was still here with us when it comes to technology in general and assistive technology, because it would make things like making, letting people borrow assistive technologies, uh, students in particular, um, It'd make things so much easier. I think that's very much an individual issue on my part, to be honest, because of the kind of role that I do, the buy-ins that I have to, the buy-ins that I try and persuade uh, my higher take on board. And when it comes to when it comes to subscription models of technology, app-based technology, phone-based technology, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's a pain. It's a pain. I hate writing proposals when it's a subscription model because you think, oh my god, I've got to add it up. I've got to add it up. Oh no. And then I have to go back on the Excel and nobody likes to see that happen. Um, another strange thing that I, I've got back from, I've got back from a couple of, a couple of people is uh, when it comes to AT, uh, a lack of in-depth auditing by institutions themselves of what programs can do in regards to accessibility. This is on the other side of kind of like uh, companies getting a little bit shirty because you're pointing out that they're not doing something. This is kind of like uh, we've bought this. Uh, we already have this capability in this particular program. Why are we looking around for something else? And this has happened a number of times. I had some feedback after my show on 365, uh, sorry, Microsoft 365 as it's known now, from techie types. Big up the techie types in the universities. Yeah, um, and they were saying uh, we've. Uh, there was one example. I thought we've we've just paid an inordinate amount of money for. <clears throat> excuse me. An inordinate amount of money for um, a particular program that does speech recognition um, uh, uh, to transcribe. It was a transcription program, a bespoke transcription program that allowed people to upload uh, files and transcribe them, have them written out. Transcriptions are a real pain in the universities. Uh, you know, when it comes to things like field work, when it comes to things like interviews and so on and so forth, if you don't get a budget for transcription, you have to do it yourself if you're a student. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort uh, in the UK anyway. Um, and so uh, according to this techie type, um, the, uh, the university had purchased at rather a high cost um, a bespoke um, transcription. A, 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 yeah, a bespoke transcription program. Um, but had already ha already had uh, Microsoft 365 that has a transcription feature built within the office um, with uh, the online version of Word, um, and even if it's not a particular 
um, and even it has limitations. I think it's 300, 300 minutes a month that you can use. But it's still, um, you know, Word and lots of programs now have the capability of um, uh, transcribing or at least capturing live speech and PC-sourced speech. The capacity to do what they were doing was already there. And the university spent, and as it turned out, seemed to waste uh, quite a lot of money buying in something else because of a lack of knowledge of what the program that they already had could do. And that's, that's just like, whoa, come on, what? You know, that, that's daft, that, in, in my, my opinion. Look at what look at what programs your institution already has license for. Look at what they can do. There's, especially if you have, I mean, the saying about kind of subscript the subscription model. There are improvements made on programs all the time. You know, um, I talk about Microsoft three six five because it's my favorite at the moment. Uh, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to make any kind of bones about it. It's a really really good program that has philosophically um, uh, assistive technology very much front and center. Um, and you know, if you've got a license for that university, um, why don't you know? Why don't you know that it can transcribe things? Why don't you know that it has a um, uh, an editing feature that can compare what's being written on that document to online sources, a, um, a plagiarism checker, as it were? Why don't you know that you can instantly translate text within these things? Why are you buying other things? In this case, what that means is it means it's, you have to have somebody who will do a deep dive into the programs that you already have and look at the features and do a comparison to any buy in the features. But God, do that. You'll save yourself a month. You'll save yourself right, a right load of cash. That sweet do re mi, that moolah, and that can be used to help students, disabled students, um, in my case, in other ways. Do that. Don't 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 just don't just think. Oh, we need to have this particular program. Uh, buy something. When oh, we already. It's like me. <laughs> it's like me. Uh, um, when I watch a movie, sometimes and I get halfway through, like on a it's probably a late night. It's a late night Netflix session. You know, it's always like oh, I'll stick this on. This looks really good. It's like right down my street. You know, bit of ultra violence. You know, probably some martial arts, lots of sweeping camera work. And then halfway through, I think, I've seen this. I've already seen this one. Um, I've, I've, I know exactly what, I was like, oh man, I'm getting good at figuring out how movies in because I know exactly what's, I knew it because I've already seen it. It's, that's like, it's like a microcosm of what's happened in some universities. They're buying in things that they already have because there's a lack of knowledge of what their current offer can do. Um, don't, don't, don't do that guys use the money wisely and uh make sure that you know that you have the capacity to do certain things and if you're already paying for that capacity don't give someone else some money for it give it to me i'll i'll look after your cash for you if you want to chuck it around i like money um i i like spending it and i also um uh you know i i'm sat on the floor in an attic at the moment so you know a desk would be nice give me the cash uh ah so next one um now this is a this is another kind of deep dive one, but <clears throat> when it comes to accessibility and when it comes to um, what universities have have to do in regards to their materials, their forward facing materials, uh, either on websites and so on and forth, has to be a high level of accessibility. And what I'll do, I think, is I'll do another show about what that means, what that actually looks like, because there's um, there's been the reason 
and this is awful, but the reason that assistive technology and accessibility are at the forefront because legislation was introduced. That's the only reason I ever get to talk about it. That's the only reason, I, to, to be honest, I, I assume that that's one of the reasons that I was employed in this particular position in the first place. Legislation was introduced in this country that says that you had to have a certain level of accessibility, otherwise you are going to be uh, in a lot of trouble, you naughty, naughty people. Um, but I've been in situations, and this is a personal one as well, I've been in situations when I've been talking to companies who uh, are, that is uploaded. Now, those alternative formats, okay, they're, they're, it's often the case that that's as accessible as the design of the original document, but at least people have the option, you know? Um, uh, that, in, for me, has, is, is, a, is an indicator of a company that is at least thinking about accessibility and taking some responsibility for the process of finding information on their particular site. Um, and that's, it's a good example. I like, you know, for, for, uh, I like, I, I like Blackboard. I like Blackboard. I like the ally tool that allows you to check the accessibility of the documents that you're uploading. And I like the fact that you can download, uh, um, documents in different formats. So you can download them in a labeled PDF, labeled PDF is a bit hit and miss sometimes, but anyway, uh, a word document, you can even download it as an immersive reader document. I've talked about immersive reader as a readability tool in previous shows. It's a great tool, and, and but the options there, responsibility that is there. But I've recently talked to a number of companies whose bread and butter is host documentation, host hosting media, hosting all these different things. That say, well, it's third party media; we can't do anything. Yes, you can. Yeah, yes, you can, and yes, you should. You can't just like, you know, it's like. I don't, I, I don't understand the thinking. No, of course you don't have to be primarily responsible for the accessibility of what you're hosting. But my goodness me, just, 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 you know, perhaps make some moves to make, uh, to make your portal in whatever way, shape, or form it is, accessible to the people that are using it. And if you're not, then you obviously don't care about your user base, do you? And lo and behold, who do you when a user, when a portal is inaccessible? you know, which section of society does that show that you care about least? Yeah, it's disabled people. And in all honesty, I'm sick to death of that lack of thought, or lack of care when it comes to disabled students in higher education. Does my not, I never used to be an activist. I never used to be, um, I never used to be kind of, the, kind of uh, an ally, as it were, in regards to um, people with disabilities. Uh, I was very much uh, I was very much an activist for teachers' rights. The last of the practices that I've seen, I've, I've experienced, and I've heard of when it comes the transactions with companies. Come on, guys! Come on, you can do better than this, or you should be doing better than this. The way I see it, disabled students. Uh, a vast majority of the time I've worked harder in circumstances that have been more difficult than anybody else at the university to get to where they are. Cut them a break, you know, cut them a break, have a thought about them every once in a while, especially when it comes to the tools that they're going to have to use to, um, to achieve the potential that they obvious, so obviously have. Um, Sorry, that was a bit, that was ranty that bit, but you know what? It's it's a Sunday evening. You know, I've had a cup of tea. 
um i'm i'm feeling you know well up for it well up for it get me to get me to that car park with that lad from the company i i yeah i'll, I'll lift him up the pavement i'll drop him um right anyway um the last one that i'm going to talk about before before this is i'll tell you uh, this is great I, i'm i'm a, a flashbacks to my own school days the last one that i'm going to talk about is the surprise of the cost of specific assistive technology that institutions often have assistive technology uh, or the market for assistive technology is a small one a relatively small one so therefore any products have to be sold at a rather high price to break even um i was i was really really surprised i was really surprised at the price of what i i what i kind of thing and if they don't have the budget to pay for this kind of thing they've got money um maybe i'm being naive maybe i'm not i don't really know but when it comes to the, my last my last rant in this many many faceted rant for the evening is that institutions are often surprised by the specific cost of assistive technology they don't see it as an investment and they should see it as an investment in the future of a particular student or if that student leaves and the equipment stays it's an investment into other students into future students students of the future that sounds like a science fiction uh, novel but you know what i mean you know what i mean it's about a shift in attitude as seeing disabled students and um uh disabled students as a burden uh, whether at, whether that be financial or otherwise and seeing uh, and ensuring that's uh, that's Able to try a very small difference in students' lives. Um, I say it's very small because the difference comes from the student; it doesn't come from me. Um, uh, the amount of in highly, highly inspirational students, like highly inspirational stories of students uh, who I uh, work with, is just you know, you just like dead poet society ain't got nothing on these these people you know the, these the these are people who have excelled in a world that is sometimes almost designed to try to stop them from excelling so let's let 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 he institutions not be part of that system you know let's let let's do everything that we can when it comes to disabled students and technology let's do everything that we can to just build students up don't see them as a burden and don't give me that oh well we don't see that yes yeah sometimes sometimes institutions do they do you know oh we have to buy another chair yeah yeah you have to buy another chair put your hand in your wallet you know uh, so if it's not going to happen if it's not going to happen in higher education that we take on board the mantle of inclusivity in regards to dis disability it's not going to happen every anywhere it's not going to happen anywhere um so let's do it you know uh, let's let's think about some of these issues that i've raised um let's think about how we're going to solve them that's the but that's the way forward i i mean i know how i would solve certain these certain issues but i don't have that kind of clout and i don't think i ever will i'm never going to become an activist i'm never going to become i'm never going to be involved or become a leader of uh, some sort of group but there are people out there who are hopefully listening and already in that kind of position and hopefully I know it's teaching me. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. 
advocacy is tiring by the way ladies and gents it's it's uh, over again um to uh, the and that explanation often falls on deaf ears it's um so let, let's 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 help a little bit uh, and try and the way i'm trying to do it is i'm trying to make some of these issues a little bit more public um, than they would be usually it's nothing in the grand scheme of things um but if there's anybody out there listening that has any sway at univ in the universities that thinks to themselves actually is this kind of thing happening in my institution maybe i can change it please have, have a go have a go um and many many people uh in my own institution that's around about 12 percent of the student population it'll be a lot higher in other institutions well thank you for it because you're doing the right thing anyway um I think we're coming up to the end of the show. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a quick summary of the stuff that's annoying me. Please, please, don't have to what's taking place. If I've said anything, right, that you think, okay, this is great. What do we do to go forward? Give me a shout. I might not necessarily know, but it'd be nice to meet people. If I've said anything that you think, actually, no, that's not right, let me know as well. I am I'm I'm more than happy to be proved wrong with some of this stuff. More than happy. I, I would love it. I would love it if uh, I'm completely off the bat. Like when it comes to the when it comes to the DSA stuff, um, you know, if I if I if I've got the wrong end of the stick, let me know. Let me know. I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be doing anybody down there unnecessarily. Um, uh, a lot of this is based on my own personal experience. A lot of this, um, and it's a damn shame because I would love to kind of give credit to some of the people that have given me information and confirmation of some of the things that are happening over a series of institutions but i can't i won't as i said at the top of the show you know who you are so thank you very much i'll be in touch um uh, in other ways and forms um so just as a quick summary some of the things that annoy me about disability uh, and assistive technology in institutions are a lack of going to the students themselves and asking what the students need um <clears throat> um, uh, having technology essential to the completion of the course that is not accessible to assistive technology uh, taking companies words and claims of accessibility and compatibility of assistive technology verbatim as truth uh, that's ridiculous um, the assumption that there's only one product in regard to assistive technology and anyone who's not using that particular product is problematic no 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 no, no. we don't like that at all uh, a lack of in-depth auditing of what programs can do in regards to accessibility and you're buying things twice three times sometimes allowing to be um, uh, in regards to uh, their duty to make things accessible simply because they are involved in the use of third-party documentation and products um, be honest oh yeah the disabled student allowance DSA the limited pool of recommended tech offered by the DSA. Why we? Why is the DSA recommending tech and not just handing over the money to students themselves? Uh, I don't know. That's one that I'm really interested in, by the way, professionally and just in general, philosophically. What's what's the what's the deal? What's the issue with that? Um, I feel like I'm missing something, and you know, it would hearten me if I am. But that's that's one of the things that I'm thinking. What what is going on there? Um, and that's about it, really. Um, apparently there has been some issues regarding Wi-Fi dropout and so on and so forth. Apologies if you haven't been able to listen to me drone on for the entire hour and a half. 
if you have been able to listen to me uh, drone on for the entire hour and a half, you absolute hero. Well done. You deserve a medal. Um, if mystical, it can be quite confusing. And I think it's not talked about enough. Um, and because there is often uh, long-winded processes and complications, sometimes students don't do it or don't get started in the first place. So next show we'll be talking about the disabled student allowance how to apply what to do what to say how to work with assessor the best package that you possibly can uh, what you can get from the dsa how you go about getting it and um such all right so thank you very much for listening it's sunday night um uh, hopefully you have a really really good uh, week uh, wherever you are working whatever you are doing um, stay as safe as you possibly can. Don't let folk mug you off. And I will be talking to you again fairly soon, hopefully. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.